Hey team, this is Brendan again. Before this begins and we talk to Naomi Snyder, I just wanted to mention I've got one book out on Amazon called uh, Cold Call Like a Comedian. You can check it out right now. There will be a link in the show notes for sale. $3 on Kindle version or if you want to pick up a paperback, uh, you can do that too for a few dollars more. This is about sales and comedy, basically just some things that I was musing about, talked about and threw out. Uh, that have helped me in my sales career. Nothing relevant into what we're talking about today at all. And also, <clears throat> another one coming out, The Power Bible, co-written with William Petit, the story of how he overcame his drug addiction and how I came back from being homeless to uh, basically be doing comedy, this, and paying off all my debt in sales and the lessons we learned along the way. You can check out the pre- uh, list for that. You can sign up to get the first chapter for free at a link that will also be in the show notes. But uh, neither of these have been to do with the subject we're talking about today with Naomi Snyder, which is feminism, the patriarchy particularly, and why did the patriarchy persist. Uh, it's a great episode, and I was super happy to have her on the podcast. Without further ado, let's get over to that conversation. Thank you guys so much. The madness continues! Welcome to the Madness Continues podcast where we talk to economists, entrepreneurs, comedians, porn stars, feminists, and people of all kinds. Uh, Every day I just try to break down what we're doing, why I'm here, and if I can make sense of this life. Um, it was nice to see you, though. I, I'm sorry that yeah. like, I couldn't figure it's out nice how to do this in, like a, in person. To a name, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, You, our schedules have been kind of all over the place a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's been tough to... Well, because like, I'm like... I think I said this to you the, the last time we spoke. I'm in my final year of training to become an, a psychoanalyst. So, like, my time is... like I always think I have way more time than I do, but actually like between seeing patients and a billion different supervisors and classes, it is a bit, it's, it's difficult to coordinate with people. So, so yeah, at least we got to do this in some shape or form. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you have a lot of, it's, you have a ton of irons in the fire. I feel like you, um, between, you know, law, law school and psychoanalysis (laughs) and publishing a, a book, uh, with an, with a, uh, 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 extremely relevant um you know feminist author i mean like you just you're i feel like there's you got all kinds of stuff going on yeah 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 when you put it like i mean law school is like a a billion years ago so at least that 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 iron is out of that fire but yeah like there's yeah there's a lot that's going on which is exciting but it can feel very overwhelming so yeah well so i um so thank you for being on the on the podcast uh mm-hmm. i should say we're recording i'll just go ahead and oh. uh, <laughs> yeah i uh, it, it starts automatically it's outside of my hands it's just the way that the <laughs> software works um but thank you for for taking the time to be on the podcast and um you know and and i just uh i just want to say i guess at the beginning mm-hmm. is like you know, this was really cool for me to to be able to reach out, and I, sh- I should say for the listeners who will, who are you know picking up on this. Um, basically, what happened is I was wandering through. I recited this to you, and the first time we spoke, I was wandering through the Strand Bookstore um, in New York and saw the book, which is a bright yellow. I'll have a photo of it, or at least a link to it, um, 
on the show notes as well. It's a bright yellow, and it just says, why does patriarchy persist? And then patriarchy is all, like, crossed out, like, with a crayon. <laughs> and crayon. Uh, Yeah, yeah, with a pink crayon. <laughs> and so I, I saw it and immediately was like, wow, this is interesting. And um, didn't picked it up, looked through it for a second, and then I thought, I really need to dig into this. So I took a photo of it um, and then ended up, before my habit lately is before I even you know jump in or dive into a book, I'll start googling the authors and see if there's any like you know talks that they've given online or anything. And I found two that you had had given, I think in you know in in um, related to to the book, and was really interested in what you had to say. I was like, man, this is really fascinating. And we'll get into kind of some of the content of this in a second, um, in terms of you know what you do have to say both in the book and I think in in kind of in outside of it. And um, I just thought, I really want to speak to... I Some some of what you had talked about, and this is before I read the book, really spoke to me. And I was like, I just really want to connect with Naomi about this. And, uh, you know, was able to kind of hunt up an email, shot you an email, and you emailed me back, and which I was kind of surprised about. <laughs> and you were like, hey, let's jump on a phone call real quick. And, um, you know, we had a great... I think we talked for like almost an hour last time. Yeah. Uh, about all kinds of different things and uh and I was I, and then so I said look I'm going to go off and read the book which I I've which I've done and annotated the the hell <laughs> out of it I should say by the way I've got like notes on almost every page of this thing um and uh and, and you know and that's where we are now so we haven't spoken and that was probably like <laughs> a month ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's amazing how time flies especially in New York uh <laughs> And, um, yeah, that's only like a day in New York time. It's so it's so strange. I feel like there's people I meet and um, like I'll go on the road for doing comedy and I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to be gone for a week. And then they're like, oh, we'll never see you again. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> if you don't jump on something like right away, it's amazing if it ever happens in the city of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so no. So so thank you again for taking the time to, you know, not only to be on the podcast, but to write the book and to have this conversation. And I think that, you know, just to start out with the the thesis of the book and i think we can kind of go from there a little bit mm-hmm. um the the idea basically that you and carol have in the in in why does patriarchy persist that i think i found fascinating and resonated with me is that in order to uh participate in sort of the social system that we have around us which you guys describe as patriarch and is known as patriarchy uh one has to uh, someone has to go through a kind of self contortion self contorting process where they dissociate mm. themselves from either thoughts or feelings that they have in order to kind of participate in kind of the the marketplace of or social environment that we have that we find ourselves in and specifically it seems like you arrive at that uh that that revelation through your own personal story, mm-hmm. uh, which you share in the book, mm-hmm. and through the work of uh, Bowlby, I think, who, mm-hmm. um, without getting into too much academic detail, mm-hmm. um, has done a lot of research on 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 loss and dissociation and 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 um, you know and in that entire world of psychology. Did I did I sum that up in any kind of accurate way, or am I missing anything? No, you yeah, you summed it up in a really great way, and I really because there's so many different ways of like from what perspective of say describing a thing, and I like I I mean that's a that's a good way into it. I like that way of just describing it, but to kind of um to 
participate in the marketplace of patriarchy, we end up, well, we have to contort and dissociate from crucial parts of ourselves. Yeah, I really like that way of putting it. Well, so what I think is fascinating, uh, you've written this book in a way that is kind of like, um, I mean, you and Carol is in a, in a way kind of like how old Greek uh, Athenian philosophers would write a book, which is the two of you have kind of different parts that you're speaking almost back and forth. So I yeah. feel like I'm, it's it's funny, I feel like I'm sitting in like a lecture where I'm like, there's there's you speaking, then Carol speaking, then both of you speaking like in a chorus, which I think is kind of fascinating. Um yeah, I love that you pick up that part of it because actually that it was so crucial to the writing of it and I think kind of embodies precisely what patriarchy stops us from doing because in a way it kind of speaks to that we we come to know ourselves and what we think in conversation with others and in relationship with others and by creating this kind of hierarchy and a set of rules that sort of stop you from saying what you really think and feel it kind of both breaks off that relationship with other people but then also a relationship with yourself so it was only through conversation with each other that we that that you can find a way out of that dissociation well it's yeah and so and just to speak to that point i mean you the in many different points of the book and i'm just looking at um on on um in the section on resistance there's a whole bunch here where you um you know you know, you and Carol both, I think you say here, um, actually this is on page 31, just in case anybody's following along at home. Uh, you say, um, I was foregoing a career in human rights. My self-contortion was socially rewarded. It's fascinating to me because the part that re- resonated with me m- most about this and when I saw you speak online was that this this is very similar to, I think, my experience, uh, you know, as a boy and then as a young man and... And I think is is really real. I think this this comes from just so the listener understands. You know, Judith, we just released the Judith Taylor episode, which is getting a lot of listens. Um, and part of my interest in speaking with her, I think I mentioned to you briefly the last time we spoke, is that she she was on the CBC and speaking about sort of the incel culture movement that's taking place online and all of the real world consequences of that. And I find myself very fascinated by this because there is a wholesale disassociative dilemma that's going on with young men and particularly I think young white men although it's affen- affecting all all young men I think in in, in in it would seem in western cultures and it feels like this what you've identified lines up very similarly to my experience as a young man and also there's many similarities I think in what you and Carol are describing to what to the, the, the kind of pathway that I ended up taking using things like the Mankind Project through attempting to reclaim kind of a, almost a lost, disassociated personality. And mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of the work that, you know, Carol's done and that, that you yourself have done has kind of lined up with that, that there is a, you know, so for the listener to understand, and again, you can correct me, but it feel, it, it, there is this process we all have to go through. Mm-hmm. And... For as as you mentioned in the book, for for girls, this typically takes place in pre-adolescence. For boys, this takes place as young as four to like seven years old, yeah. where girls are sort of asked asked is maybe not the right the way, way, right word for it, but it pressured, um, yeah. you know. But but the pressure. But here's the thing that I think is interesting about this: the pressure is sometimes disembodied, although it can definitely be embodied. 
Um, and we'll talk yeah. about that in a second. But girls are pressured to 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 kind of disassociate themselves from their, um, as I think Carol would put it, their sort of real voices. Yeah. Um, that their authentic voices, uh, speaking mm-hmm. things that they believe are true into the world because the patriarchal social pressure that we find around us wants to pressure them into basically being silent partners in uh, in sort of the, the, the patriarchal environment that we're in. Would you say that's accurate? And then I'll move on to talking about boys in a yeah. second. Yeah, they're pressured to kind of self-silence to become these sort of selfless caregivers, so to speak on behalf of everyone else, but never to assert their thoughts and feelings. So yeah, and that's... Okay, so I'm okay. Good. I'm glad I got that. <laughs> so, yeah. so then the second part of this, which I think is really fascinating, is that that boys are sort of taught um, and and pressured at a younger age to dissociate themselves from really their feelings, almost wholesale, mm-hmm. with the exception potentially of the feeling of anger or yeah. other sort of socially appropriate emotions. I believe at one point in the book, there's a story um, that I think Carol delivers talking about. Um, how uh, she was speaking on someone else was sharing the story that there was a, you know, a a boy at home is able to appropriately display rage, but you know, the, the, the young girl at home should not ever show rage. Like that's not something that's ever. That's right. That's right. Carol was from her her own experience growing up that her younger brother was, allowed like rage was permissible but it was the only emotion that was allowed and then for her it was absolutely not allowed as a girl to express anger yeah this is i think this is fascinating to me because there's a number of different sort of things that have come up for me while reading the book i think the first is that um there is a strain in my own experience and this is this is I, 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 it's like I don't even know where to begin because there's so many things I want to talk about. But in my own experience with this, it feels like there's also a movement that that can happen um, that uh, Robert A. Glover describes in his book, um, No More Mr. Nice Guy, that he calls the nice guy syndrome, which is something similar, which is that men are there are there are a certain number of boys who are who are pressured to also disassociate themselves from their feelings of anger or rage that at some point in their young lives they get the message that those types of emotions are also not appropriate Mm -hmm. and i think that what's fascinating to me is that 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 particular strain of 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 disassociating and silencing oneself feels like um it can also just really um, confound this issue that there there's a lot of men out there grown men I think who probably are out of touch with their own feelings of anger and it yeah. leads to a, a loss of powerlessness in their own lives I feel like that's something that I experienced and had to go through a lot of work on in order to to reclaim and it's strange to me because it feels like um I'm not sure like it like I can appreciate like the, almost the feeling that I had growing up is um and I guess I'm I, I guess I'm I'm sharing this with you just to, to hear what your thoughts are on this, having you know, um, you know, gone gone through this. But it it almost feels like there's a like growing up. There's this uh, this this feeling of there is only one type of appropriate masculinity that's a, mm-hmm. that that is able to be displayed. There are lots of inappropriate types, but there's only mm-hmm. one appropriate type, and that kind of performance 
is only is is very difficult to do and it leads to lots of people feeling completely i think people meaning young men feeling uh rejected or dejected from being able to participate in any kind of community because it feels like they can't perform or they don't perform well that's very specific type of masculinity so mm-hmm. sorry that was a lot that i just dropped but mm-hmm. i'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on this based sort of on your experience and and um, with yourself and then also kind of working through this in the book. So, I guess, gosh, you said a lot. I just had thoughts in relation to what you're saying. I, I don't know if there was the, whether you, like, was there a specific question that you had about it or? Yeah, I'm curious. So I guess my question is, you know, I mean, you guys sort of talk about um, towards the end of the book, solutions to kind of patriarchy and leaving patriarchy and things like this. But I get the feeling that, we live in this, maybe another way to phrase this question mm-hmm. is kind of that it feels like we live in this, um, we live in a social environment, which you guys describe as patriarchy, but that, that being true, it feels a little bit like that the performance that's asked of all the people, men and women who, who participate in it can only look a certain type of way. And there are many ways that people don't perform that well. Um, and that leads to all sorts of consequences. I'm thinking of eating disorders for young women, which are on the rise right now. Um, I'm thinking of violent behavior for young men, which is uh, becoming um, a total uh, epidemic. I guess I'm thinking, what what ways, you know, what in what ways does that happen? Why does it happen? And then what what ways do we are there solutions to to for for the young man or young woman listening to this, just especially based on your own experience, what are ways that you've kind of worked through this or what ways can they potentially work through their own situations? Maybe this is a, a, too tall of an ask, but I'm just curious, you know, what your thoughts are on yeah. people who are maybe dealing with their own dissociative disorders from, from mm-hmm. having to go through the loss required to participate in sort of the social environment that we have. Does that make more sense? Sorry, that's a lot yeah, that I dropped on yeah, you. I, I, yeah, it does. And I feel like there are two levels to, to what you're asking. I think one is like, what does this look like, this this process? Because I think what you're pointing to is it doesn't look the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yep. then, and then okay, and then if you're caught in it, what, what, what do you do with that? So just in terms of, the, the process of, of initiation. I think that one of the things to say about it is that although there are clear rewards of compliance, it comes at a great cost for everyone. So, so like, and 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 it's not like a stable kind of process either. It's not like okay, so I was initiated into patriarchy, and now I'm this patriarchal man, and you know, it came at a cost, but. But also at a, a at a benefit because I claim all the power and privilege that comes with that. I think many of us often fall in and out of these states depending on the relational context that we're in. Mm. So I think it's like often a kind of complicated process. Mm-hmm. Um, to like to speak to um, so. So to speak to the question, the, the part of your question about well, what what do we do about it? Um, I think I think there are two I think there are two levels at, at which this stuff works. Um, 
I think there's the individual level, mm-hmm. which I do, which I think is important to think about, which is we we chart in the book that all of us have the capacity to resist these um, social pressures to contort and to conform. So even though, um, we, for example, women who, um, and again, I want to say this is like, it's, it's not, there are some women that, um, there are some women that uh, comply with patriarchy and there are other women that resist. And it's this binary difference. I think that there are shades. Hmm. And actually, I think that like many of us embody both in, in different parts of our lives. Um, you know, it's really easy to look at like the 51% of like white uh, Republican women and that voted for Trump and to say, okay, that is what patriarchy looks like today. When that's, I think, a quite extreme example of what it looks like, but on a kind of more... Um, on a sometimes more subtle level, I think it's some of the examples that you're talking about. It's it's women who um, have, you know, deny themselves the um, the joy and the need of, of eating because, in some ways, trying to make themselves smaller to claim a kind of um, to claim what seems like more power in the mm, system mm, comes mm. kind of such like such a cost when you that, that 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 by so so just to use that example specifically by by attempting to become smaller by controlling what they're eating they're playing a better role so to speak in kind of the the patriarchal system that surrounds us and and by that by by playing that role well they're rewarded socially they're exactly, they're rewarded socially, but think about also the cost that that, that comes at them because it's it, embodied within that. I mean, there's such denial and such shame around need, desire, hunger. And so you're both, I think you're both um, compliant in some complicit, compliant, participating in a set of values and norms that are deeply harmful to yourself and you're also communicating that message to other women which is to say you gain power by making yourself smaller and sharper in these ways but you can't be um do you have to sort of deny something of womanliness to claim like um a certain stature I mean I think it communicates many things but I think it, it embodies that sort of your own needs and desires are inherently too much, too shameful, greedy. Um, so I think there's a way of seeing it. I mean, it's many, I don't want to give a reductive view of what eating disorders are because many things go into them, but I think you can see them on some level as an expression of something that that is socially mediated because there is a lot of social power and reward that comes with um, that disordered way of eating. Well, so no, I mean, I don't think that, you know, there's a lot of things that go into eating disorders, but I think it's a good example. I would say like the, 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 the opposite example, just as you were speaking, that came up in my mind would be for men is that you, at a certain point, you know, I just think of, of athletes as a good example that, you know, participating in, in, let's say in like football or some other type of violent sport is, is, 
you know, is really socially rewarded. At in, I mean, I think of in the, the stereotype in America is like, oh, it's captain of the football team, get away with anything. Like, any, people let him do anything mm-hmm. because he's this kind yeah. of paragon of what this role is supposed to look like. And meanwhile, he's putting his body on the line. He's like, I mean, the number of, you know, athletes who have concussions, specifically in football, or, or receive all kinds of different injuries is really high. And it's a similar kind of thing. Not to mention, let's say, the contortions that that guy has to do uh, with his own feelings in order to to yeah. receive that level of, let's say, social attention or, you know, it's dissociation from the feeling of like, maybe I don't want to do X, Y, or Z today. It doesn't matter. You have to do these these things because they're asked of you. Um, I mean, it, again, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but that's kind of what, what comes up for me when you were, when you were speaking. I think, I mean, I think it's a great comparison and I think what we're trying to get away from in the book is the idea of like zero sum games mm. and that, I mean, clearly white men, white kind of rich men gain the kind of, um, they get the most rewards in this system. I mean, that is, is undeniable and undisputable. You can just see the way that a certain kind of echelon of white men get all the rewards from the culture we live in. But I think it is important to see that within that, that even to claim that status and privilege, there is an amount of contortion and denial and dissociation that goes to claim that that place. Mm. And then it becomes quite a self-perpetuating system because you're constantly having to deny and reprove who you are in order to hold on to that position. And the losses that have gone along the way can never be spoken of. Yeah. I think like if you, the, 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 another way of looking at the, um, the sports example is also to think about how at a certain point, close loving relationships with, between men become frowned upon. And the only way of really being able to experience that love and affection is through this very kind of match, macho, violent kind of um, uh, camaraderie, which is, and, and you know, and, and I, I keep thinking during our conversation because I went to a um, talk with the writers of the new book on Brett Kavanaugh, the, an education of Brett Kavanaugh. Ooh, yeah, 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 from the New York uh, 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 New York Times writers. I forget. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Fascinating and, and book. Like, even that, even that, that horrific story of what happened um, to Christine Blasey Ford. From what she described of it, you really got the impression that she was just an object. There. She was kind of a prop in, in a game that, that wasn't really about her. It was about these two men and them kind of some sort of currency at play for them to prove their masculinity to each other. Yeah. And I think it, it's, it, uh, I feel like so much of what we see in society is a kind of symptom of what gets prohibited um, among men and among women and between men and women. Um, And and so it creates really kind of um, sort of toxic, um, toxic, 
systems, but it's it's all rooted. I don't think that I, I think the title of that book's perfect because Brett Kavanaugh wasn't born Brett Kavanaugh. He had to be educated into that role. And we just like and that education is a whole process of um prohibition punishment and and reward for- so, so okay let's let's hold on Let, I, this is fascinating because i think that this actually is a i can see this as potentially a gateway into some bit of conversation that i wanted to have about um about about the book and how it relates to i think this everything you guys are discussing to be honest is that it's fascinating to me because you know there the one of the things that you've described in here is kind of this psychological movement that one must participate in for initiation into culture. And it feels like the education of Brett Kavanaugh is maybe a good example because it's like, you're right, no one is born a Brett Kavanaugh. But there is some sense, you know, the, 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 I'm not, I'm, I, I really want to speak with like Carol about this as well. Um, I, because yeah. I, I'm fascinated because, you know, the mythopoetic men's movement, which took place sort of in the 90s, uh, mm-hmm. that was manifest in like the Mankind Project, which I went through, has a vocabulary similar to the kind of mythic vocabulary that, you know, that you guys are using in the book to describe this movement. Again, I mean, I'm sorry for the person listening because we're sort of, <laughs> I can't recount every single, you know, mythic um, bit that you guys use, but you talk about psyche, um, and um, and uh, Oedipus and a handful of different things like this, but there's this concept that comes from the mythopoetic men's movement, which is that we, there there is a loss of an initiation ritual that has taken place in modern times, and um, men have always needed since time immemorial. I, I I say needed because have had an initiation ritual that has taken someone from you're a boy to now you're a man, and that it is is meant to shepherd sort of boy psychology into um you know ma- male grown man psychology that mm-hmm. is meant to hopefully inculcate a number of pro social values and behaviors into the boys who go through the adolescent young men who go through that process um and there's a lot that goes into there that's a whole other thing we yeah. can walk through but some of the you know some of the authors like Campbell um, you know, maybe even Carl Jung, uh, and certainly a lot of the people who write in the myth of poetic men's movement, like Robert Bly and people like this, talk about the fact that we are in this. Robert A. Johnson, just another one who came to mind, talk about the fact that we are living in this culture that has lost this this sense of self, and as a result, doesn't know what to um, what to what sort of ritual needs to take place to to shepherd in a healthy way, uh, Mm -hmm. boy psychology and a man psychology. And as a result, we have, you know, we're left to, for the, for the young to try to create their own rituals. And as a result, they're creating rituals such as, let's say the education of Brett Kavanaugh, where, you know, where, where women who would otherwise and should otherwise be treated as subjects and valued, you know, people are treated as chattel or something like this. I guess, I, I mean, not knowing so much about the movement, but what I wonder is, is that harking back to kind of this mythological um, period where actually that was a really kind of, like the idea being that that process of, of boys to men was a really healthy um, process and there wasn't, um, there weren't some of the harms that we see now. Because I think actually that, that, process that that's being kind of memorialized is that is that very typical kind of 
patriarchal process where you become the the boy that becomes the man that becomes the warrior that becomes the 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 head of the household and i think there have been real shifts in that and i don't think that is a stable trajectory anymore in fact i'd say someone like Brett Kavanaugh actually i think his education probably mapped a lot of that that trajectory of what it is to go from a boy to a healthy man and i think throughout history that's been a pretty problematic process i don't think that um i think often it's been founded on 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 war and on violence and on treating women yeah i think that this is probably a a, a, go ahead sorry well, but I, I guess, but I, but then a vacuum does open up, right? Because we're we're we are living in a time where men don't have the 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 the, the claim to all the kind of um, the security and the power and the privilege that that trajectory once offered, right? So you get, I think, movements like the incel movement that's saying, "Hey, wait, we did all of that." And we're now we're not getting the rewards that 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 we were that we were offered. And I think this this is I think this is kind of what the the book speaks to is that with the breakdown of patriarchy, there is this opportunity to um, to kind of have more authentic relationships. But that requires a level of vulnerability and openness that is shameful according to that patriarchal ideal. Well, I think so, that yeah. yeah, I think that let me just interject a couple of different things because I think that there's yeah. this is probably a part of where kind of I think an honest disagreement in in yeah. the, the view of this might exist between us is because my yeah. my feeling is that when I look back so so the idea behind sort of um initiation rituals and without going into a, you know, a, a quick and dirty explanation I suppose is that many of them nearly all of them hold similar movements but do not always uh, inculcate the same types of values, and when I think yeah. of when I say when I when I speak historically, I'm speaking sort of very broadly in a grand sense, meaning that you know when when not all cultures have the same type of uh, let's say um, traditionally understood patriarchal um, values that I think you and I would recognize as like um, sort of Western culture, modern especially modern Western culture and re- Western culture in recent history. I think of you know, Ojibwe and Algonquin cultures where women were, um, where the, the, the mother or like specifically the, the, the high priestess is the most valuable person in social order, um, that, um, you know, Sioux Indian culture is another example. And I'm sure that there are plenty of examples in the West, like ancient Celtic culture, um, that off the top of my head, I can't specifically refer to, but I mean, who knows? I'm not a historian. I could be wrong about these things, but I guess I the way that I look at that is that there absolutely has been a pathway that has existed um, in the way that you've described, which is inculcating an unhealthy masculinity. But some of that potentially could be the fact that these are just the results of of life as they've been um, practiced historically. That we are entering a period of time in which the necessities of of human life have no longer required the types of uh, violence necessary that has in the past to protect itself from animals or other people or, um, you know, et cetera. And the type of work that needs to be done no longer requires um, lots of brute force and strength to, to, in order to provide, 
you know, the, the necessities for, for living and, and continuing human existence. And in that space, patriarchy, which has traditionally been, um, you know, male dominated and, and, uh, and, and held up, I think, men for a variety of, of, of reasons, no longer really needs to function in the way that it had to previously because humans just no longer have a need for the types of specific biological um, things that men have, uh, which maybe in time, you know, in the deep past, it did need. Um, I think that could be kind of an, a, a place of honest disagreement that we have, which is that you know, part of this that I find fascinating is that I think that patriarchy, and we can table this discussion maybe for another time, had had existed out of a kind of necessity by uh, just by, like I said, the, 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 the way that human beings had lived. Um, I've got lost in speaking and I, I'm I, what was your second point? I'm so sorry. Um, well, there was I, a, I mean, what, you were speaking about um, the. The, these initiation rituals as maybe I, I I'm guessing from your experience that you didn't feel that they were always um that they were maybe healthy in some ways that they offered something that was important yeah I guess I, this is the thing that 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 Carol and I would what our our, our book speaks to and I and I think oh oh, oh know, I remember my second point I'm so sorry yeah no go on um the second because the the part of that that I think was valuable for me is as somebody who I think at one point in my life had harbored a lot of anger towards mm-hmm. I think um women and had I look if the incel culture had been around when I was like 19 or 20 I feel like I would have maybe identified with it which is a terrifying thought to have for myself um yeah. But I think that part of that reason... It's important to recognize, right, and to think about what... Okay, I don't, I think that's more honest than a lot of people would be to admit that... Yeah, I, well, I think you're probably right. It's funny, I when I shared this with Judith Taylor, she said something very similar. And I think that... I, I think that I would have probably done that. But part of the reason I would have done it is I think that... I had felt that what I had wanted, which was a kind of socially recognized validation um, place in the like, look, and, and this is this is a result of, I think, an uninitiated male, you know, boy psychology, which is that that what you're the there is a dominant narrative socially that is you get a woman, you get a girl, you get love, you get affection, you get sex when you are a valuable person within the social hierarchy. I'd say, I, I mean, I would say that that is precisely the initiated voice. I think, I think it's the most basic thing that we all want recognition. It is like, that is one of the most basic, like relational things that we all have. We want to be seen and understood and known. And then we basically get get initiated into this culture that says the only way for you to have those things that you want is to wear this mask. Mm. And paradoxically, wearing that mask means you're never really seen and known for who you are, but you're like, you're given enough recognition, right? You're given the status. You're basically told who you are. If anyone sees that, you'll be laughed at. But wear this mask and you'll have a certain type of social recognition. I think that that longing that desire is it's rooted in something that's basic to all of us but that is the con- contortion and I, I guess just to say i don't think that's the uninitiated voice i think that is the initiated voice that says oh i i want recognition and my way to get it is to be to get a girl to um 
be captain of the football team to earn this amount of money. Like, I think that is the initiated voice. So, so, so this is interesting because I see, I definitely see what you're saying. I would say that that is an improperly initiated voice, but it's interesting because in the, you know, through the, in the Mankind Project, I just, again, based on my own experience being a member of sort of a handful of different men's groups like this, what, you know, my perspective in learning it is basically that when there is no, when there is no healthy mentor to, like I said, shepherd someone into this kind of um, more healthy pro-social male psychology, you kind of are meant to cobble together whatever the whatever it seems like the dominant social narrative is, and the social do- the dominant social narrative is, is an unhealthy one, as you've just described. Um, it's fascinating because I feel like in my own experience. I was challenged by this group of men to be like, look, you need to take ownership of the fact that you want so you want connection. You want mm-hmm. you know, you want to uh to experience um love and affection and affirmation from people. These are things you need to ask you for. I see that as more of a rehabilitation project than an initiation project. I think that like little boys, like little girls, like all of us are born with that knowledge that we want to connect. We know it and it, it gets it gets like knocked out of us. So it's I don't think it's like you need a mentor to teach you that stuff. I do agree. I think that you for in order for, for those desires and those skills to thrive, you need a relational context in which they can. So I think a, a mentor type figure or peers like that 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 kind of can allow that. I think is vital, but I, I, I don't think it, it requires you to, I mean, maybe if it's been knocked out of you, you have to relearn it, but I don't think it's teaching you something that you didn't know from the beginning that you, uh, that, that got kind of, um, pressured out of you. See, see, this is another area that I feel like maybe we disagree on is it's cause I've, I've, I, I feel like you, <clears throat> you guys make this point in the book and I think it's a good one in the sense that I think that there is something genuine that is, uh, you know, tr- young girls express how they feel. There's, you know, there's a, the trope of the precocious, mm-hmm. you know, um, young girl for a reason. And I look at my own family and think about my nieces and cousins, and they will tell you exactly what they think when they're seven years old. And it's, and it's, mm-hmm. and, and, and you, you know, and I think in my own family, I, I love it in them. I love that movement, and I don't want them to lose it. And it's interesting to hear Carol say later in the book, well, then I guess you're in the, you know, you're in the progressive, social progressive, uh, yeah. like now you're, you have to be, a, 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 a you know, a, a kind of, um, progressive and, in, in, in participate in this because that's a political concept. I think that's probably yeah. true. I, I guess, but drawing back, there's a feeling that, you know, the, the belief, at least in, in the, you know, in the mythopoetic men's movement, which I keep referring to is that there is a, that, that is true that there are those things that are there, but those are also, um, selfish desires from children, which is that it, 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 those, the desire to feel human connection with another person comes from a selfish place. And it also comes from a selfless place or a place that, um, has to be, um, initiated or properly, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like there is a, a, a healthy pro-social way to get that feeling. And there's not, and there's an unhealthy way to get that feeling. And in many ways, the unhealthy way is the way the child would go about it. That if I cry and wail because I want my mother to pick me up, 
it's it's an expression of a of a loss and disconnection but it is also a a misrecognition of the fact that look your mom has to go to work you know she's dropping you off at this place uh, because she has to go to work and it sucks but that's just the way sort of the necessities of life are in a certain kind of way um i i wonder you know how much of and so just to back up a little bit further because i i agree i very much agree with the points that that you're making here and i think that they're they're and one level i'm reading this book and i'm like oh my god everything in this i it speaks to me i can see it it speaks to my own experience um but i think on another level i think i think to myself you know how much of this how much of the patriarchy that we're dealing with today the sense of loss as you've described in the way that you know um you know, you've worked out through Bowlby's work, um, et cetera, is a result of the fact that we're left with this kind of human software that, uh, social software that's old. I mean, we're in a version of social software that's maybe 30, 40, 50 years old that needs to be updated, is working through maybe the process of being updated. Um, but also hardware that's um, been bequeathed to us after, a, you know, 10,000 generations of humans that, you know, it, it part of the deep primordial past boys had to accept that it might be them who has to go do something scary like fight off a bear or a mountain lion or another person in order to protect their family and their loved ones and all of these things and at six or seven years old that's already not too uh late for them to have to make that dissociative move because a, a very sensitive boy is not necessarily the the best guy to be like, let me go grab a spear and stop this um, mountain lion from wandering into our camp or whatever. I, I know that I'm being a little bit ridiculous. I can almost feel people listening to this and like rolling their eyes <laughs> at this like, you know, story that I've sketched, but I'm curious just to what your thoughts are to respond to kind of the whole host of things I've just kind of vomited up here. Well, I guess I think there are two things that you're saying. One, I think we could kind of probably be less at loggerheads if we didn't get so kind of caught up on the question of, like, it feels like a semantic debate to some extent. I think where we do agree is that um, there are certain relational cultural contexts that that allow our innate relational capacities to be cultivated and um, uh, to be cultivated in healthier ways. And there are other environments that, that stop that process from happening. Yeah. So I think, like, if we step away from, is that initiation or not? Like, we could, like, kind of probably find that we're not, we're not, I guess words can sometimes make us seem like we're we're further apart than actually sure. we are. But I think there is I think there is actually a crucial question that you're raising, which I think is a matter of debate. And I think it, we are looking at it from a different perspective. I think you're raising the idea that look, these are whether it's um, Approach, like whether it's because of evolution and, and the way that our, our psychology has grown in the context of the, the millennia of com like years that we've lived in where men have had to be hunter-gatherers, blah, 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 that actually we need a rewiring. Yeah. So that Yeah, is, and I think, yeah, you're, I, mean, I think is, you're you know, so, I think we're way closer than we think. Yeah. Well, I think, well, I don't, I think you don't need to argue that point much because I think that is pretty much the common 
view is that look these 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 are the, just the way that that men are women are we've been for and and there's some kind of we all the desire to dominate for power for um for all those things is kind of something that we have to learn to um Freud would say this, right? It's a process like there's a healthy repression that happens in order to live in a society. Yep. So I, I don't think that your view is um, is that surprising, or I think men, I think mo- like most people would agree with that. I think we're offering a different perspective that 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 says, okay, what about this? And then, I mean, without wanting to get into the nature nurture debate, because it's sure, yeah, fast- let's let's step. Let's step past so it. Funny. Yeah, I also don't know if it's a very productive debate to have, to be honest, because yeah, we're we're, ever, we're who we are, you know. Yeah. Well, we're, we're we're social beings. Like we're born. Like how will we ever know what's culture and what isn't? But what yep. we can. But but what I guess what what we're trying to open up through infant research and through research on boys and girls development is actually these capacities for maintaining connection, which is neither selfless nor selfish. It contains an element of, of, of both. And that 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 um, dialectic between the two is the essence of, of relationship, is it's neither completely for the other person or for myself. There's this negotiation of two people's interests and how can we how can we balance and, and allow for both? That is, I think, what we describe as the essence of a democratic relationship, which is in mm-hmm. contrast to a patriarchal relationship. We're all matriarchal. Like whether it's men on top and women below or women top, men below, you, you have the same dynamic at play, which is like whenever our interests are not aligned, one of us is going to have to win out on the mm-hmm. other. It's a process of domination or submission. What we say actually is when you look at infants and when you look at young boys and young girls, is that in in healthy relational context, they're able to negotiate that space between themselves and the other person. Mm-hmm. That ability to say what I think and then pick up on what the other person thinks and negotiate that is 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 inbuilt because in fact that's what's crucial to human survival is the ability to assert our needs and to pick up on the um the the um feelings of those around us mm-hmm. and 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 so when you look at what happens in in the process of in order for them to maintain a system of hierarchy you have to relate not go out those relational capacities because if people on top are having empathy towards people below them then there's no way they're going to maintain that system of injustice and oppression that doesn't listen to the people below them similarly if you're on the bottom if you can assert what you really think and feel that also is going to upset the hierarchy so you have to knock out those relational capacities and that's what we see happen when boys get shamed for expressing any emotional sensitivity for other people it it knocks out their ability to hear what other people think and feel and girls when they lose that capacity to a certain self, they, they, their relational capacity of self-assertion is also destroyed. So I, I think the solution isn't, and, and I think it's important to recognize that it isn't that we 
they, they are difficult. Like it, it's not a simple process. Being mm -hmm. in real relationship with people is painful. You have to. It's risky. It's for, like the only system where you don't have open conflict is a patriarchal system because there's a voice of authority and everyone else needs to submit to it. In a in a society where everyone else, when everyone's has a voice and they can say what they think and feel, there's gonna is conflict will abound. But you have the fundamental ideal that you care about other people's view in that conflict. The, the 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 aim is not to win, it's to assert it's to express your own needs, have them seen, and also to hear the other the per, other person's needs. And I don't think it's so much that we need to what we show is that 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 relational hard wiring we have it is then it gets knocked out of us so how can we create a culture and a society and relationships that that are more um in sync with and in tune with those skills and those needs that allow maybe the the that dissociative loss that has to take place to 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 not either not happen or happen such that people women can still feel like they have a voice and men can still feel like they can be vulnerable, caring, emotive. Um, well, yeah, like say that the first the first response to loss is not dissociation. Mm, dissociation mm. is a kind of. Um, is a defense against loss and it, it serves some functions but the first but but only when you've had an experience of, of irreparable loss so the first response is the attempt to restore the connection mm. and it's only when we lose faith in 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 that process that we go to dissociation to silencing um and i think to go back to the insult movement i think that 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 they really reflect this um this process like so say you, you have the mythological man's movement and then you have the incel movement and it sounds from your experience of the mythological man's movement that it created a space for healthy protest where you could express all the things that you didn't have that you wanted to have maybe the feelings of insecurity and you were able to forge authentic responsive connection with other men and therefore with other with women. Yeah, I think I think that's fair because I think one of the yeah, I think that's a fair uh, analysis. And, and we discussed the anger of hope versus that the anger of despair. So let's say that represents the anger of hope where there is anger there because there's there's a loss of connection that you want. And then you have the anger of despair, which is like a malignant rageful hatred, hateful anger. And I think you can see that play out in the incel movement. But so we have two diametrically opposed responses to a very similar experience of disconnection and loss. And even though it, it may seem like the incel movement is is the outlier here, I think in some way they represent um this kind of patriarchal model of masculinity and its most kind of ugly, violent, brutish um, mode. I think it shows what what patriarchal manhood looks like when it's under threat um, and that it, it rests on a lot of um, dissociation, on, um, dominance. on the dominance, the need to um, assert one's um, 
like one's own needs and and like you know women don't matter at all they're just objects a lot of denial of a heart that's that's underlying well i think that there's i mean it's a grab bag of um <laughs> you know of of uh terrible things i think in 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 that space in many ways um i guess i feel so first of all i feel like you what you've all of what you've described is actually i, I think is a pretty good um encapsulation of i think the experience that i had going through sort of the mankind project um and in, in, in many ways, <laughs> I feel like this conversation, you must be like, Jesus, this is like I'm a free therapy session I'm giving this guy. Uh, no. but, Wait, well, what makes you say that? Uh, I Just because I feel like we're working through a lot of, you know, this is a lot of stuff that I feel like I have worked through or, or went or worked through. And, and, and in many ways, it's kind of, um, you know, these, these types of issues, men and women relating to each other, relating to oneself. This is all personal. It is also so social. Tough. It is. I mean, I, I think that if, if we don't speak about it in a personal way, it becomes just abstract and dry. It, Very yeah. dry. And I think it is. I mean, uh, like from from my perspective, this is something that it's really difficult for me to talk about this stuff because I'm, I struggle with it every day. I mean, mm. and, it, and it, there's the added difficulty in speaking about it because I feel like the expectation is you write a book on patriarchy, so therefore somehow you're above it all and you found your voice and you can see when these things are going on and together no I I'm like I'm constantly um wrestling with this stuff in a very personal way so I appreciate that you come to this through from like a personal lens of like struggling with it because I think that is part of the way out is to be more open and honest about the way that we all struggle with this stuff. Well, I appreciate you saying that because I think that, you know, you and uh, said earlier and Judith Taylor, um, the um, uh, professor of women and gender studies at um, uh, the University of Toronto, who I interviewed recently, um, said something similar, which is like, thank you for being honest with the fact that this is like a problem that you struggled with. I think that, you know, there for men who are in, who are in the incel community, um, which I, like I said, is a grab bag of sort of, mm. there, there can be a grab bag of really, uh, malignant issues that come from that sec section, you know, section. But, um, I think that they're dealing with a lot of things, but one of them is that there is this hallmark of, um, unhealthy masculinity, which is that you cannot admit that you have a problem. Like it's it, like socially, you can't be like, wow, I'm really lonely and that hurts. Mm -hmm. And just admitting that to yourself and to the world around you opens the door for you to be able to even begin to address that issue. And I think that that's a real problem. I think that, I think that in many ways, uh, the incel community shows a, what happens when there is no pathway to a, a healthy masculine identity that, you know, I think that they're, there's a lot of I guess I have sympathy for that community because I can see oh I there's a lot of men who are struggling no one would choose to be living this way well, um, yeah I think, I think the problem is that they, they reflect the fact that patriarchy is always you know the way they speak that they're what like they're the alphas and these they're like really hard on themselves for being the the like scum whatever that they, they all like they want to keep the system though it's like there's there's this 
and I think well because I guess, and I think that the, because you you've and you've identified it in your book is that I think that because they they want to refuse the pathway to success for them is climbing the hierarchy such that they never have to be vulnerable yet can experience yes. all the things that they want in their life and like my you it's know, a myth. Yeah, it's a myth. And if I was going to write a dating book, it would the 90% of the advice would be like, hey, um, take responsibility for your own life. Okay. And that doesn't mean that you're going to have to be or that you're going to get everything you want and not have to be vulnerable or take risks or get hurt. Just accept those things as part of this process. And within six months, you'll be able to have a healthy relationship with you know uh, a woman because you're going to have to work through these issues or something you i mean know, maybe i, I want to go back to the point that you made before um so, and i'm sorry to interrupt but you know yeah, you, go ahead. you quoted like you half quoted this 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 guy but you were saying it from your own perspective so carol um i think writes in the book about this man who says he's got a 7 year old daughter and he, he says, you know, similarly to what you were saying, she's, she's so outspoken and I love that about her and I, I don't want her to lose it. And Carol says, well, okay, then you're going to be in the game of, um, of social activism because for, yep. for her to retain that voice, you are gonna, she, she's going to be coming up against a culture that, that in order for her to um, become a good woman, she will have to silence that voice. And so you're going to have to be not only encouraging her to come into resistance with the culture, but you're also going to have to challenge a lot of those cultural norms. I think the same can be said for your dating book. I think that if you're, if you're, it's at that point, it stops just being a dating book. It, you, those men are coming then into um, a form of political resistance. They're resisting a culture that says, in order to succeed and to be um, to to succeed in the world, in order to be loved by a woman, in order to be valued, you have to you have to um, conform in all of these ways. And if they don't conform, I think that that there's a reality that they are coming into resistance with a with a, and there will be pushback. I think I, I mean I think that that's correct, and I think that I mean part of what is so so challenging about that particular movement, and I think for men and in in men in the incel culture, not to again not to pigeonhole this conversation in this direction, but it's just something that I think is top of mind for me, both because it's in the world and also just due to my own experience, is that something that's difficult for them is that I don't think that they're inaccurately assessing their situation. I think that. Uh, in my experience, being emotive with a lot of women um, is is it frightens them, and I think that they're not used to the idea that there's a man who's willing to be vulnerable and ask for something that he wants, or 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 say that he's afraid, or um, or any of these things. And I think that it, mm-hmm. it it I think that that actually is very frightening to a lot of women who are not used to the idea that um, oh I get to be the emotional one and he gets to be the stoic one. Um, and I think that it, it's strange because there's a whole group of, you know, sensitive men. It's almost like there's this divide in the male community um, where men who are have any type of sensitivity become nice guys and a certain percentage of them become incels. And then this other group of guys who goes the other way and becomes Brett Kavanaugh's. And, mm-hmm. you know, none of that is healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that there's this like sort of shadow spot, which is that. You know, there are, are a lot of men who I think accurately assess that they're like, oh, when I when I tell a, a 
you know, when I see a, a, a woman who I'm in contact with, maybe she's in a class of mine, maybe I work with her, maybe I whatever, and I want attention from her, I want to give her attention, maybe it's as innocent as that far, it's like there's, it already gets disrupted because I, I don't, not only do I not know how to do that, but then when I go do that in my poorly articulated way, in a vocabulary I don't have, um, it immediately, I, I get the feedback that I'm not wanted or not needed or that those things are frightening to her and I don't know where to go with this. Um, I think that that, I guess this is way off. another side of it, right, which is on the one hand, I, I think there's two ways of looking at it and there probably there's an element of truth to both that, you know, is there in part of that narrative, is there ex, an expectation? Hey, look, I was vulnerable. I opened up now. Now you should want, like, you should listen. Like, there, there could be many reasons why that person doesn't want to have that interaction with them. Totally. Just because we open up and we're vulnerable and we're emotional doesn't mean we we have the the right for that person to um to be responsive yep. to us. Yep. Um. On the other hand, I think that there is a part of that that's speaking to something that we're talking about in the book, which is maybe that there is a that's part of the pushback that some men will receive that that we've all been initiated into this culture where as many some women maybe. Uh, a man does express their emotions and, and they're like, oh, no, not so much. I want my stoic man. Um, that I'm, I mean, I don't, like, I'm sure that that is a reality that's, that some men face. And it's like, okay, how can you navigate that as a reality and hold, still hold on to your emotionality without kind of wanting to, um, like, turning to anger and blame of that, that woman, but maybe seeking out other relationships that are going to be more responsive to your your needs i yeah i mean i think if i think you've captured it i think that you know the word entitlement came to mind it's funny because i've been reluctant to use that word a lot but after speaking with judah taylor i'm like i think that there is a certain sense of like oh i do this then i get this i mean this is one of the things robert glover identified in his no more mr nice guys book is this concept of uh of um uh, covert contracts. Like I've, I'm, I, I, I think yeah. that a lot of men in the incel community feel betrayed in a kind of way because mm-hmm. they feel like they're like, I've done all the things I feel like I'm supposed to do. And, in, in, and strangely, I think that I, I don't know this at all, but when I hear, you know, I mean, just hear accounts of men and women interacting, especially young women, uh, men and women interacting you know, years ago, like in the 50s and things like this, I think that there was a kind of strange transactional nature to mm-hmm. the relationship. And I think that that was kind of understood, um, and which is strange. I mean, I obviously can't speak with any authority about this, but like, I think that we're one of the things that's confounding in this is we've we've entered this time period in which these rules are changing. The the, the space is changing. destabilizing and scary, and I think it's also the opportunity for, like, to, to go in two directions with that shift it opens up for something that is so much more um uh let me think of the right uh, adjective for it so much more meaningful and nourishing yeah nourishing which, there you go it, it, yeah nourishing is a good one right for this it's like Okay, there was something, you know, there was a payoff with the transaction, but it, it there was a cost to both. I mean, if you look at the number of, like, 1950s housewives on Prozac and three men with alcohol problems, like, it, it, there's a reason why oh, the women's liberation yeah. movement 
that occurred, yeah. it was this, there was deep, you know, underneath that compromise is deep, deep loss and sadness. So with this shift in the culture, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's, there's the possibility of, of rewriting the rules and having something that is, that is so much less um, sure and certain, like, if there's a tr if there's a transactional model, we we all know the rules we play by and the apparent payoff. Real relationships don't function that way. They're really uncertain and dangerous. But but there's but there's the joy of like okay, but I'm I'm in this real relationship with this person. Like I get to like express myself and explore what I really think, what I feel. Or we can go in the other direction, which is to really try and double down and to go back to this old old system where like the, there are rigid rules and roles that we play and apparently if you if you play if you play it right you'll um you'll get this payoff that I think works for some and I don't I think there's a, a big amount of mythology in in um I don't think everyone was rewarded in the same way no I mean I agree I and I think that going back is not going to happen I don't think it's possible to, I think, to do see, that right now in 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 the way our culture is going i think you've got a um like a, a moment where i think you're seeing this in the u.s i think you're seeing it in the uk i think you're seeing it in, like in, in other countries where it's like the politics is going in two directions towards a more kind of social socialist egalitarian ethos which is which is kind of pushing back against racial, gendered, sexual hierarchies, class-based hierarchies. And then you're also at the same time having these conservative movements that in many ways are trying to reinstall a very kind of traditional, patriarchal, racially hierarchical system. And I think that that they're the two directions our culture's going in at the moment. And yeah, I, I, you know, I really think that. I mean, let's table the 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 former um, the discussion of the this the this the social sort of traditionally leftist side of that for a moment because there's a whole thing we can go into. But my view on the right side of it is that this is the last dying gasp of a of something that that is trying desperately to cling to uh, I hope you're relevance. Right. I mean, I think that it's. I think it's. I think really that is what's happening, and I, and it's producing. It's it's production of monsters like Donald Trump is an example of that. The guy is a, a fucking buffoon, and anybody with two cents can see it. Um, you know what troubles me more? I think, if I'm really honest, is that you are right, but that that the move that somehow the framework, this like this framework of domination and submission, we end up. The movements that were kind of pushing towards something different than that system, like the whether it's like you know, um, let's like shortcut it, like on the left, um, that that we end up. What's the Audrey Lord quote? Um, you can't break the master's house using the master's tools. It's so weird. Uh, I have a essay on my desk <laughs> by Audrey Lord right now. I just looked over at it. That's so weird. Ultimately, what we're talking about here is like if you get away from patriarchy, it's like like the the gendered like you know it's men above women. It is essence. What it is is a set of tools that say, "Here's how you resolve conflict," and it's here's how you have relationships. It's through the splitting of roles. And it's basically through domination and submission. And what, like, as long as you're in that framework, you're in a hierarchical system. And so I, I think that the, 
that what troubles me most is how can the left, how can systems of, of resistance embody different tools that aren't that that don't come through that like shaming and silencing um and dominance and submission as a mode of um of of of, of practice yeah i'm it's fascinating because i'm i'm glad to hear you say that because i think that uh you know i'm a, a big fan of slavoj zizek um and one of his one of the things that he preaches is that you know hierarchies are spontaneously created by humans that there's 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 no this is something our mind places on in the world and we have to go through almost contortions in the way you described in a different direction in order to try to model a system where those where dominance and submission are not the case i think that you know part of what's confounding in this discussion and we'll just have to table it for now um due to time restrictions is that you know, I think that people on the right, you know, my family's a good example of this. I have branches in both sides of the political spectrum and the class spectrum, to be honest. Um, but I see that, you know, people on the right accurately, I think, see that the that the left has a desire for dominance and submission that the right, I think, is afraid of. That cancel culture is sort of like part of this. And... And I, I, you know, I wonder if like what the pathway forward it is, there almost needs to be some kind of truth and reconciliation, like, <laughs> like m- movement for all people to kind of truth and reconciliation rather than an end like where, OK, now we've like, so I think there has to be a model that that moves forward. With yeah, truth I agree. And reconciliation as that as a kind of model for how we um, how we exist in the world with 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 each other. Because we're not always going to be on the same page and have the same um, perspective on things. So how do we negotiate that? I think, I think, that, I think that, to me that's the the the, um, the scariest question, like the the kind of most um, important and challenging. I think I think we'll probably have to leave it there today, just due to time restrictions. But I, know, I, I, I actually really have to go. <laughs> yeah, I know me too. I but I. I just want to say, Naomi, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and, and, and for helping, you know, for, for, for staying in fidelity to the conversation as we attempted to work through, you know, what I thought were, you know, a couple of different parts of honest disagreement, some of which I think was semantic, as you described. But, um, but, and- I, but I, yeah, and I think um, I feel like in a way I'm glad that, that rather than skirting around what we because I think we have a lot that we agree with and I think there are these kind of tensions and I'm glad that that's in a way what we focused on because I think that is sort of modeling something about what what a kind of different system could look like where we can actually both say you know what I don't completely agree with you on that thing here's my perspective yeah, and 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 stay, you know, stay through to to I think some productive conversation at the end, which I think was great. I just want to say again, you know, this this book, um, Why Does Patriarchy Persist, is a fantastic book. I would recommend everybody read it. It it is very good, um, and it and it's certainly thought provoking and and very well founded. I mean, the the notes um, that you and Carol have, uh, underpinning the research you've done and to, to support a lot of these cases is amazing in and of itself. And probably will keep me tied up between now and the end of the year, sorting through a lot of that. But yeah, um, I would really recommend to, for in terms of, and I, sorry, I know you no, no, wouldn't wrap this up, but there are two that in, to 
terms of the work on boys' development, When Boys Become Boys and um, Deep Secrets, two different books, um, and we reference a lot of them, but that really look at the process of initiation for boys, and it's, I think it would be really interesting reading. I'll have to go check that one out myself. Yeah. Expect an email from me about that one when, I've, when, I've, when I finish reading it. Um, but uh, where can um, where can anybody listening? Where can they? Obviously, I'll link the book so they can go, they can go purchase and check it out. But um, you know, if, if anyone wants to follow um, anything that you're producing yeah. or doing in the world, can they follow you on Twitter or where can they find? Yeah, you? you can follow me on Twitter, and also we have a website which is www.widerspatriarchypersist.com. Okay, great. Uh, Naomi Snyder, again, thank you so much uh, for being on the Madness Continues. Thank you. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.